Welcome back to the Anti-Diet Club podcast. My goodness, do we have such a fun guest for you today. We have both followed the work of Kelsey Ellis, who is Healthy with Kelsey online for quite a while now. And she is so fun. She is so knowledgeable about all the stuff we talk about, but specifically around our relationship with fitness and movement. So Tamsin's going to let you know a bit more about her and we'll head over to the conversation. Yeah, you're right. Kelsey, we've, I've been following her for like for the longest time, probably since I started on this journey and she is so entertaining. So definitely go check her out. Um, Kelsey, if you're not familiar with her work, she is a black award winning body positive fitness trainer. She's based in Vancouver in Canada. And she helps chronic dieters and exercisers liberate themselves from diet culture, build body confidence and take the shame out of the fitness game. She has an on-demand studio, Healthy with Kelsey TV, and it offers 100% diet-free talk and judgment-free fitness that encourages members to move their bodies in a way that feels safe and inclusive and uplifting. And she is definitely uplifting. I yeah. feel like that's a really accurate description of what you're going to get when so you... So refreshing, yeah, right? 100%. So refreshing. She, she is. Just... And like I said on the thing, her lip-syncing game on Instagram is really, <laughs> it's really top-notch. She's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of like the the fitness and stuff. So um, she's just brilliant. And we talked about so many things about how how she approaches the kind of conversation with her clients when they're starting to work with her. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so lovely to hear the insides of what like the, you know, the insight on what happens when she's mm-hmm. working with somebody mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. reason why it's different um because we're just not used to it we're just used to the same old run-of-the-mill you know with a side of diet culture and it's it's not that it's just complete it's a completely different different approach yeah yeah and I managed to ask for some advice um during the episode she really helped So I think if she helped me, folks, she's going to help you. If you're someone who has been on this journey and you've been sort of really trying to heal your relationship with food, but movement we hear from a lot of people is really, really tricky, Um, particularly when you have a history of movement being part of your disorder, which definitely was for me. Um, It was used for like compensation purposes, working Mm -hmm. off or earning food. Um, So if you don't have an experience of movement or exercise away from those things, then you're really going to want to listen to what Kelsey says, particularly about how you start to move back into it when you're you're kind of sitting on the edge right now, maybe. So, um, yeah. Let's head over yeah, to the let's conversation. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Kelsey. We have been so looking forward to having this conversation with you. And as we said, just off air, we actually binned off one of our, our personal chats to have this one with you because we just know it's going to be so much better than what we can put together around the health and fitness in the anti-diet space. Um, we've been following you for a really, really long time. So I, in case our listeners don't know who you are, because we know who you are, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then we can dive into the conversation? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm super excited to be here and to be chatting with both of you today. 
Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kelsey and I'm the owner of Healthy with Kelsey Inc., um, which is a combination of group coaching as well as I have my on-demand studio, which is rooted in non-diet body positive fitness. So my platform is non-diet. I have a non-diet approach to wellness in a from a holistic perspective, really diving into our relationship with exercise, our relationship with food, our relationship with our body, and really helping to people to really take the shame out of their wellness game. That's really how, what I say. You know, I put the cell, I put the lit in cellulite and I take the shame out of people's wellness game because <laughs> I really truly believe <laughs> that, you know, we are not able to completely show up as ourselves and be unapologetically who we are. And that can really prevent us from living the life that we really deserve to live. So I connect with my audience through a number of different places. Most commonly people find me through Instagram. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a journey to get here. I never in a million years thought I would become a body positive fitness coach because I was very much rooted in conventional fitness uh -huh. when I began. Okay. And I think that's very common for a lot of people. Um, you know, when you go the traditional route of becoming a personal fitness coach, you kind of mimic what you've seen within the industry. And that was always working, you know, in a conventional gym, selling diet programs, helping people to lose weight, taking measurements, using body fat calipers. And, you know, when I began, there was something that always didn't sit right with me in it, but I didn't know that there was any alternative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I absolutely despised having to sit down with clients, take their measurements, and then talk to them about whether they were good or not, or whether they should be doing better or not. And the mm -hmm. conversations that I had with clients always just felt uncomfortable when it came yeah. to body. Yeah. And, you know, there'd be this high of when people were down in on the scale, and then there'd be this absolute crash and low when they were up on the scale, even if it was just for a pound. So it really, you know, it really gave me perspective in trying to understand people's relationship with their body and realizing that there is so many other benefits to moving your body beyond the scale. Mm -hmm. And when I started to analyze really my own relationship with my body, I realized, oh my goodness, like I have been part of this problem. Yeah. And mm. for me, that was a wake up call. That was going to be my question because you you said you're working in a conventional gym and you've just gone down the mainstream route of being indoctrinated into diet culture through your your training and then and you start to feel like oh god this is really horrible having to take measurements and weights and thing of clients but what was at that time what was your relationship with your body were you weighing and measuring and body monitoring and controlling your food and how did your journey with your clients and yourself kind of did they work alongside one another at any point I would say all of the above and more I until looking back everything is always hindsight right so looking back I realized how disordered my relationship was with my body in that time but it was very difficult to realize that because I was held on this pedestal because of the way that my body looked at that time. I was very thin. I had the six pack. I had the quote unquote fitness aesthetic that people always say hashtag body goals about, but I internally was suffering very deeply and it impacted every area of my life. It, it impacted my relationship to myself, my relationship to other people, 
Um, and to give you kind of an idea of, you know, people always ask, well, what was your rock bottom? What was that moment where you were like, I can't keep living like this anymore. And for me, um, you know, when you're in that diet mentality, you are pre-planning all of your food, right? You're writing it all down in your MyFitnessL. You're making sure all of your macros add up. And so every night I would make my lunch, I would pre-write my lunch into my fitness pal to make sure I was going to hit my calorie goal for the day. And one day my husband accidentally took my Tupperware container to work instead of his Tupperware container to work. (laughs) And it completely destroyed me because I had no idea how many grams of rice were in that bowl and how many grams of chicken. And I'd already pre-measured it. And that conversation with my husband, he literally grabbed my shoulders and looked me in the eyes and was like, you can't live like this anymore. This is ridiculous because I had a complete meltdown. Meltdown over a lunchbox. Yeah. Over a lunchbox. And for me, you know, it almost makes me a little, uh, you know, emotional talking about it because I didn't realize how deep I was in until Mm -hmm. that moment. And I was like, you know, that was back. Oh my goodness. That was probably like 2013, 2014. I've been with my husband now for 13 years. And to think that like that caused a rift in our relationship at that point, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely is heartbreaking. So, you know, at that point I, I started to realize, okay, I really want to focus on healing my relationship with my body. I mm-hmm. need to understand that there is so much more value I have in this world beyond what my body looks like. And um, I went back to school and became a registered holistic nutritionist and as well as a life coach. And I'll distinctly remember in a life coaching session, somebody asked me, Kelsey, if you did not have fitness, who would you be? And mm-hmm. I could not answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like your identity. I had no answer. Yeah. It was my identity. Yeah. It was like they were intertwined. And without that, I had nothing or what like, I felt like. Who I am I? No yeah. value. Who am I? And I would, I would guess in amongst your peers and even in amongst your friend groups and family, I would guess that you'd be seen as like the healthy one, right? The one that yeah. knows how to eat correctly, how to work out, do all the right things. You'd be like guru status. And I'm I'm curious. I was like, the go-to. I was going to yeah. say, like, did you really sort of position yourself as that person? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I thought I had it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> like giving you people know, advice I, I at the... <laughs> Barbecues. I can do it. They can do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even- do I realized that like every single body is so, so different. And what I was doing was not something people should be doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I wasn't forthcoming about that either because I mm-hmm. think there was shame rooted in it. You know, I would work with clients and I would feel like this insane amount of guilt, like, you know, talking to clients about healthful eating and then like behind the scenes, like eating a McDonald's burger in my car and then throwing away wrappers because I didn't want yeah. anybody to know that I had done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wouldn't eat all day and then I'd be hungry on the way home. And it just, it was this vicious cycle that just felt like I could never get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people feel like they may be in that place right now. And I just want to say, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. There is an alternative. And I, at that point in my life, I was very fortunate to have found non-diet work and discovered the book um, from Elise Rush and... Mm -hmm. Uh, Evelyn Tribal around intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And when I read the stories in that book, I'm sure both of you are familiar with that book. Yeah. When I read that book, I was like, these stories are about me. Mm-hmm. I relate mm. so heavily to this. And I didn't realize that there was any other reason to move my body besides losing weight or any other way to take care of my body than to 
try to clean eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it wasn't working for me so far. Can I ask you, um, I, I think there, there comes a moment for all of us when, when we kind of cognitively understand that, that our behavior has just reached a point where it's not sustainable and it's really coming at such a high cost to our life. And it sounds like from what you were saying, this kind of um, feeling of like lack of congruence between what you're doing and what you're advising your 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 clients to do, right? Um, so we can make that sort of decision of like, okay, I need to do something about this. But I'm guessing along the way, particularly as a as a fitness trainer, being your body being monitored by your peers, by your clients, how did it feel to s- sort of come to the the understanding that okay, I'm my body's going to change. If I stop controlling my food, my body's going to change. And how, how's that been for you? How have you, how have you kind of dealt with that as your body's changed, as you've healed your relationship with food and, and exercise? That's a great question. You know, I think initially I was afraid. I was terrified because I had had people tell me in the past I wouldn't work with that trainer because they don't have the goal of body that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, and that planted that seed in me that, Oh my goodness. Well, if I look different than I look, then people won't want to work with me either. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was something in me that said that has nothing to do with what I know though. What I look like is independent of the value I have, the knowledge that I have and being very open and transparent about the process of allowing my body to change and creating a community around that and having a support system through that process has been pivotal in allowing mm-hmm. myself to become the person that I am now and to have the body that I have now. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they don't have that support network. And mm-hmm. it's very scary to reveal yourself and to pull that lens off and just allow yourself to be fully seen and for me you know I kind of dived into that head first and created a a social media account about it and in that process it's actually been the most healing part of my journey Mm -hmm. to have other people say to feel like they can breathe a little easier knowing that I'm just like them Mm -hmm. and for so long I was kind of holding up this image of myself that I didn't even really believe and Mm -hmm. that was exhausting yeah yeah it must be so tiring because you're you're just constantly you know battling against your own you know thoughts of yourself and what's actually really your body's trying to fight back all that time isn't it because it's not where it naturally wants to be when you're holding your weight down and you know trying to be the like fitness person with the six pack and be all that it's just so tiring like did you feel that sense of um like was there a period of like a sense of relief or like just like free for all when you, or did, did you gradually come when you sort of discovered intuitive eating? No, it was definitely the honeymoon phase. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I've spoken to so many clients about this. I was doing a group coaching program around intuitive eating for quite a while. And there was always that fear of that, like, oh my goodness, when I give myself that, that food freedom, that unconditional permission to eat, I'm just going to go crazy. And you know what? Uh, everything unfolded as it should have 
in the sense that, yes, I had that initial honeymoon period and I was excited to be allowed to, oh my God, to eat a bagel. Like that was like yeah. mind blowing. Bagels were like the enemy, you know, like mm-hmm. dense bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I initially was like, oh my goodness, I have a bagel. And the next day, oh my goodness, I can have a bagel. Oh my goodness, I can have another bagel. And then by the end of the week, I was like, okay, like I'm good. I'm good on the bagels. Like, but, okay, there's this habituation process. <laughs> what else is there? What yeah. else is there? Yeah. Um, and of course, yes, initially I did gain a little bit of weight back, of course. Um, but I allowed myself to be okay with that and to also expect it. Not in a way that I felt out of control around food, mm-hmm. but in a way that I was like, allow my body to just do what it needs, allow myself to feel what hunger feels like, to allow myself to feel what fullness feels like, and to really understand what it's like to feel comfortably full. Because for me, I was always on that end of the spectrum that was either I'm ravenous or I'm absolutely stuffed. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize like that there was this place in between where you could be like pleasantly hungry and like pleasantly full. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really eye-opening for me. And of course, there was like that always that fear in the back of my head, like, no, people are going to fall away. But I also realized that that made room for the right people to come together in my life. And to really know who, who was there for me and also allow myself to, to become a person I've always wanted to be and to attract those people into my life. And I think that was really, really um, important. And it really changed the game for me because the more I realized I was allowed to be myself, the more I realized I was giving permission for other people around me to also become themselves. Yeah. And I'm guessing considering well my assumption is from what I see on Instagram your business hasn't suffered as a consequence it's grown exponentially yeah and it is rooted in that transparency that integrity that here I am full stop take it or leave it you know um and that's it's so liberating Mm -hmm. because I know that who I am is is enough. Oh my God. I've never thought in my life I could ever say that, like <laughs> actually like out loud, yeah. you know? And it, it, I really truly believe that with my whole heart. Yeah. And I know that, you know, beyond what I have on this physical meat suit and this vessel that I have <laughs> on the external, that the value that I'm really bringing to people comes from such a deeper place. And that's mm-hmm. actually not something that I learned recently. That's been throughout my entire career. People have always said to me, Kelsey, you are so much more than just a personal trainer. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. realize how I was impacting people until now. Yeah. Having those difficult conversations around who we are beyond, you know, this body that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you say, you had to detach that from your whole soul identity you know, right? Like not just being about the fitness and everything else. And that, I think that really does shine through in your like social media when you, um, on there, you can see like you're, you're, it's all of it. It's everything, isn't it? It's not just about the fitness. It's there's, there's tons in there. I love it. It's great. Cause you're so, and you're so good at lip syncing as well, which I think is hilarious. It's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Like the lip syncing queen. <laughs> yeah. For, for anyone that doesn't follow Kelsey on Instagram, go over there. Cause not only will you learn a ton, you'll also be entertained. A ton. You will be entertained. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. But yeah. It's so good because you can see like, you know, I think quite often, you know, fitness and, you know, 
dieting and fitness is a like it's a serious thing it's a full-time job it's something we take very seriously and it's I know I don't know where how different you would have been back then in those days or whether it's allowed you to just be a bit more lighthearted and be a bit more yourself it sounds to me like that's what's come through because you can't like you know me and Gillian have done it before ourselves maybe you know in completely different ways but just that it's so serious like you said like you know freaking out about the lunchbox that so many people will be listening to this going oh yeah I've done because I've done that or you go to someone's house and they've cooked something and you, they can't remember if they put real oil in it or spray or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing at the time and you just it's like I can't I can't have it like I can't do it like you know you or you take it. your own Tupperware which or is what like I just do like yeah. Jillian I'm too lazy you for that your own Tupperware. Tupperware. yeah 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 Kelsey, I'm, I remember I'm, going to my parents' house and them saying, okay, well, what restrictions do you have now? You know, like yeah. there was always oh this gosh. changing thing. Like, mm -hmm. are you having dairy? Are you not mm -hmm. having dairy? Are you allowed bread? Like, you know, it was crazy. What's the cutting like, regime? It interrupted not my life, but the people around me, yeah. of course. Totally. Um, totally. And there is something I also wanted to mention too, uh, that I think plays a big role in why, why my relationship with exercise was in such a kind of disordered place. And something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, which is I w grew up as a very hardcore athlete. Um, from a young age, I played sports. I went away on a full ride softball scholarship when I was 18 playing in the United States. Um, I was almost, I played for the junior women's national team here in Canada. There was very much a chance I was gonna go to the Olympics, but I ended up dropping out of college. That's a whole other story. Um, but I think that played a big role in my relationship with exercise because it always felt like tough love. Mm. It always felt like movement was something I had to do, not something I got to do. And that there was an outcome. There was a performance aspect to it. I needed to keep getting better and better and better. I needed to win. I needed to be competitive. And that played a big role in my relationship with how I interpreted exercise even when I was no longer playing team sports mm. and it felt like you know this kind of internal competition that I had mm. to keep doing more faster stronger lift heavier yeah um and I had to create those you know smart fitness goals that yeah specific yeah. measurable time yeah constraints, yeah right? so if you went on some kind of trajectory then it wasn't worth doing like you're always having to better exactly. your, yourself you're in competition with point? yourself all the time yeah can I ask right? then how because I know a, a lot of my clients and a lot of people listening to this podcast um take time maybe away from movement or exercise whilst they're trying to heal their relationship with food and, and and take that break and then come back um to movement once they feel like they've been able to kind of maybe detach a bit more from from diet culture it sounds like given your uh, job that you didn't have the opportunity to do that that you're you, you were you were continuously sort of in the industry but also having a movement practice of your own and I'm really interested like how did you navigate that and how 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 has it changed how do you show up regularly for movement now knowing that it's a choice rather than a have to Hands down, the biggest thing that has helped me 
be have a sustainable, I would say, a sustainable approach to movement now is realizing that time is not of the essence. You have your entire life. If you don't exercise for a week, a month, six months, it literally is a drop in the ocean. It really is. And I think we carry this deep fear that if we miss a workout, miss a week, that it's going to be this like slippery slope of never going back and never exercising ever again. But realizing that, you know, there is so much more beyond movement and that, you know, takes precedence in my life is Mm -hmm. so, so important. And I also enjoy exercising a lot more when I'm not forcing myself to do it. The other thing I think that has helped is finding movement that I enjoy. A lot of people come to me and they're like, I don't like lifting weights. And I'm like, you don't have to lift the weight for the rest of your life if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many other forms of movement, but I think we have this kind of, this visual of what movement looks like because mm-hmm. that's what we see in the media, which mm-hmm. is running, swimming, biking, the gym. Mm-hmm. But we don't realize like going for a walk with your friend, grabbing, <laughs> grabbing a glass of wine and going for a walk. You know, those two things can be independent. You can still have wine and you can have exercise and they don't cancel the two out. Yeah, the canceling out, right? And also it's like if I don't sweat or I don't do it for an hour, it doesn't count Mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually those shorter little bursts that we do throughout the day might be more accessible to say. That's definitely, you know, my story. I always thought that I had to do like hours or like at least 30 minutes, like at least. And then that's when your brain starts to go, well, you haven't got 30 minutes. So then you don't do anything at all. And actually could have easily just done 10 minutes and it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a, like quite a new yeah. concept to people. I don't think they really kind of they feel like they're just wasting their time. Nothing's a waste of time. It, it's all never it's all great building blocks for and you know your body doesn't really know the difference like yeah I don't think people realize that you know when you go for a walk or you cycle on the bicycle your body is not like she's biking she's running she's walking like your heart rate just elevates and then it de-elevates and then it it elevates you know like (laughs) yeah your heart rate increases your breathing increases it decreases like Mm -hmm. your body is just doing whatever you know it's going to do in response to movement but it doesn't actually depend on the type of movement so much. yeah it does so if you enjoy figure skating or you enjoy yeah. walking with your friend your body's going to respond in the same way your heart rate's going to elevate mm-hmm. your blood sugar is going to increase you yeah. know it's going to give yeah. you the tools you need to perform and then you're going to feel a little tired after the outcome yeah. is the same so yeah. do the movement you enjoy because the movement you enjoy is what's going to be sustainable for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Similar, I guess, to food and, and really trying to detach from that guilt and that shame of, of um, there being this black and white thinking around what's good and what's acceptable and what's right. And just having a lot more um, like fluidity and compassion. It, sound, it sounds like compassion has been a really big part of your journey as well. Oh my goodness. It is the number one thing for sure. Yeah. You know, self, compassion for myself and also compassion for other people mm. has been, oh my goodness, like an awakening, you know? Mm-hmm. And I realize the more compassion that I have for myself, I can also give for other people. Yeah. I think that's, and, I think you know, that's really that's true. Not, yeah, there's something that we don't really discuss, or I know people don't really know a lot about or talk a lot about, but this is this concept of implicit bias, mm-hmm. this idea that we walk through the world 
with judgment. And, you know, it's something that's in the human condition. It's something that we need we need as part of our way of staying safe and having protection. You know, when we walk by somebody, of course, we need to have judgment whether we're going to be harmed by that person or mm-hmm. that situation. But what we don't realize is so much of our perception of other people is influenced by what we see, you know, in media, in movies, online, um, and these narratives that we carry that we didn't actually come Sign up with up for. or have <laughs> experienced. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it took a lot of my own unpacking of internalized fat phobia, my own implicit bias, mm-hmm. the way that I was viewing other people, the way that I, I saw people who had different bodies than mine, and really realizing that everyone is on their own individual journey. And it is also not my responsibility to, to have that, to create that change for that person. What I do now is I give people an alternative to dieting. I give people an alternative to traditional exercise and I allow them to experience that and decide for themselves whether this is the path they want to go down. I'm not in somebody's ear preaching anti-weight loss. If somebody wants to lose weight, that is their prerogative. And I am not going to disagree with that. Everybody's body is their choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that, you know, allowing people that also allows Mm -hmm. me to have that same choice. I don't know what my future is going to look like. I don't know if I'm going to be bigger than this. I don't know if I'm going to be smaller than this at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that that is a choice that is personal to the individual. And it's not a reflection of just their exercise and nutrition. It's a reflection of what's also going on in their life and what we may not know behind the scenes. Mm. And does it take time for the people to come to work with you? Does it take them like kind of a minute to be like, oh, you're not going to tell me what to do because, you know, they we're so used to that. That's what people kind of, you know, we've teach intuitive eating too and have people come and say, well, I'm ready. Like, tell me what to do. It's like, no, we're going to do this a different way. It's so yeah. strange, like for people, I think. Yeah. People, I know there's been so many times in my life where people are like, I'm going to start working out and then I'm going to hire you as a trainer because I need to get fit before I have you as a trainer. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that like, defeats the purpose a little bit, but it's so true. You know, people want, people want the meal plan. People want, you know, how many reps am I doing? How many sets mm-hmm. for how long, how long do I rest? And it's a different idea to think, Hey, well, I ask a lot of questions. Mm. What do you want? What do you mm-hmm. like? How do you feel? How do you feel before? How do you feel after? Mm-hmm. What else do you have for the rest of the day to do? Do you have the time to be completely exhausted or do you have to pick up your kids later? You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and realizing that, again, fitness has this very binary approach, right? It's like, how many days a week are you exercising for? How many minutes? How many reps? Um, what tempo are you going at? And while that is to a degree important and has an impact, we don't realize like the human existence is always evolving and changing. It's not conducive to human life. Every day yeah. is going to be different. Yeah. We feel different every day. Some days we are sick. Some days we have a lot of energy. Some days we have more on our schedule. Some days we have less. Yeah. And so if yeah. you come into fitness thinking, I have to work out four days a week for one hour, you're already setting yourself up to fail. Because yeah. it is impossible to do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. And also week, going month from month, year after year. So yeah. many people, and I've done this before myself, and you would go from nothing to like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out seven days a week. For Whilst 90 eating days. 
nothing. nothing. <laughs> yes, of yeah. course. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, carry on doing all the other things that I do. And, and again, I think it's just thinking about what works with people's lives. Like you said, you know, really asking them the questions. I think that sounds, you know, amazing that you're actually saying, well, what do you want? And I just, I just can imagine that for some people that must be like, oh, okay. I don't know. Because well, they've not asked themselves. We don't yeah. ask ourselves. Like, and especially like, what do I want to eat? Am I full? Like all those questions. We've never really been taught to ask that. Mm. Um, I know never. I haven't. We've just been told we're either eating too much or we're eating too little or somewhere in between, you know, whatever it might be. And then we're praised for things that actually don't make us feel good. Mm. And it's I so think messed up. I think the astounding question that Cassie was asking there is how do you feel? And I yeah. think when you're so caught up in diet culture you're actually trying really hard not to feel anything right you're trying really hard to not feel anything from the neck down you don't want to feel hunger you don't want to you don't even want to feel like quote-unquote too full because that's Mm. going to induce feelings of guilt and shame you just try and not feel very much right it's like Mm -hmm. I'm going to just force myself to go to the gym even though I'm dog tired I'm going to force myself to go I'm just going to like squash down those feelings And what I'm really hearing from you speak, Kelsey, is when you work with people, you're taking into account their full humanity as opposed to like, you're a robot, eat this every day, work out this every day. Like we are we are not machines like food is not just fuel and it's not calories in calories out. That's very, very um, binary and an old way of thinking. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's my biggest frustration when I see people, you know, and we see this all the time, people have their own opinions on um, fitness and weight loss and et cetera, but it, they do always say calories in, calories out. You obviously must be gaining weight because you're eating too much. That mm-hmm. is so, so far from the truth. There are a myriad of reasons as to why somebody may gain or lose weight that have nothing to do with food. Yeah. Whether that's hormones, whether that's genetics, whether that is stress. Right. Yeah. And that's the part, again, that we don't see behind the scenes. And yeah. I feel like one thing that I, I am so proud of myself for is to be able to open up a dialogue with people in a way they feel safe enough to share what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's really the most telling part of where their fitness and wellness goals are coming from. It's yeah. not what they're showing me on paper. It's not what they're showing me and telling me. It's like all the other things. So I often ask, oh my goodness, well, how do you have time for all of that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they sit back and be like, "Oh, you're right." And I always yeah. ask, "Well, what are you having to give up in order to do all that fitness?" Because mm-hmm. it always comes with sacrifice. It comes. There at is cost. one thing that we do, which is we all have well, 24 hours in a day, right? And that doesn't look the same for every single person. But you know, if you are giving one hour to something, it means you're not giving one hour to something else as well. Yeah. And yeah. for a lot of people, the things that they put on the back burner are the things that are you know, their, their relationships, their social, um, you know, all of these other things their their hobbies, the things that they love, the time mm-hmm. for reading, mm-hmm. whatever they enjoy has to be put to the wayside for something that maybe they're not really enjoying. And again, that's just not going to be sustainable. Yeah. God, it must be such a relief for your clients to work with you, Kelsey, because I, I'm just thinking, you know, like if anybody's ever worked with like a dietitian or a nutritionist or a personal trainer, the amount of times it would be, it would be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell them that. I mean, oh my goodness, I have to, I have to keep that from them. You know, I don't want them to know that. I'm going to keep that a secret, but it's like, 
how can our processes be effective, especially when we're working with someone, right? How can they be effective if we're not bringing our whole self to the situation? Yeah. But of course, it's shame because it's there's these expectations of, of um, what we think you're going to expect for the start, but also what we expect of ourselves in terms of what is good or bad or right or wrong. And, and it's just riddled with with yeah shame and, and guilt and, and embarrassment often so yeah I'm thinking what what a relief it must be to to work with you I have a couple more questions do you Tamsin yeah. before I, I run yeah, off carry on you go for it yeah. You've got them. yeah yeah I suppose I'm interested and this is uh maybe coming from a personal point of view um someone who joined a gym two months ago and <laughs> and will you know I I, so I joined a gym two months ago. Let, let's just put it out there. I want some personal advice, right? I, uh, I, I joined a gym two months ago and um, I've never actually worked out in a gym since I was really into dieting and, and weight loss. Like that was my my primary kind of, I did all those like really quite aggressive classes, like the combat and the pump and the all the stuff Um I don't really enjoy it. I just, I just did it because I, th- I thought it would help me lose weight. Um, so I've gone to the, I've gone to the building to do swimming and to do yoga classes, but I've never actually set foot in the gym because I think I have a bit of trauma around it, a bit of kind of like, oh my god, like I just never remember enjoying any of it, and it feels very punishing, and it also feels, you know. With yoga and with swimming, it's not, um, what's the word? It's not as tangible. Like you can't track it. You can't like monitor it mm-hmm. necessarily the way that you do when you're like lifting a weight or you're on a machine and you've got the monitor in front of you. So I guess I'm wondering for it, for, for me and anyone else listening, if you're, if you're curious about taking a step back into the gym what would be some kind of words of advice that you would have to make it feel I don't know like a friendlier more welcoming place <laughs> that might encourage yeah. you to, to show up and, and and I don't know experiment maybe yeah I would number one say don't let your past define your future if your relationship with exercising in the gym was uncomfortable the first time that does not necessarily mean it has to be uncomfortable this time around we have to look at what are the things that maybe created that discomfort was it the comparison of other people who are moving around you if you're in a group fitness class and feeling like i'm not going as fast or i'm not doing as many reps or i feel more out of breath or i'm scared to sit down and rest while everyone else is moving because i'm afraid that people are going to think i'm unfit that can create a lot of that, that anxiety around going back, especially group fitness. Yeah. The second thing I would do is let go of the monitoring. If you have an Apple watch, you don't need it. Learn how to listen to what your body is telling you because it's going to relay that information that you already know is going to be on that watch. People know when their heart rate increases. People know mm-hmm. when their, their breathing increases, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need your watch to tell you that. Sure, it can be helpful if you're somebody who likes to you know, track your frequency and you're feeling a little bit more rooted in your relationship with exercise but if you're just starting out and just getting back i would say ditch all the monitoring stuff i've even had clients you know go on the treadmill but they just cover the screen with a piece of paper mm-hmm. right so don't worry about your metrics no adjust your machine based on how you feel as opposed to i'm going to get to 12 minutes and then i'm going to increase it to you know five percent on the incline scratch that you don't even know what incline you're at you don't even know how many calories you've burned you don't even know how long you've been on the treadmill 
yeah yeah that does seem kind of wild yeah it does feel quite it it is quite a daunting place though isn't it like the gym tends to have a certain you know kind of feel about it when you're in a bigger body it can be really kind of nerve-wracking to go in there and sort of feel like Mm -hmm. especially if you're new to it and but you know you might want to go and you might want to increase your fitness and you might want to actually use the gym if it's accessible to you but you just you know stepping onto that floor i recognize what jillian's saying like stepping in through those doors it's like you know what to expect it can be really nerve-wracking and mm-hmm. especially if you've yeah. i you know, think having a... someone to go with can be really helpful especially yeah. for somebody who maybe knows how to utilize equipment i think that there's always that fear of like judgment of what i look like but there's also that fear of like i don't know what i'm doing yeah you know yeah. i think so it can be that lack of knowledge yeah i yeah. think it's actually probably both for me in terms of like I don't know what I'm doing, therefore I'm going to be even more visible, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to, and and so I'm going to attract more attention when I really don't want any attention in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so with, I think definitely yeah, like somewhere. start by knowing, like sticking with what you know, right? If you know how to use, you know, do a bicep curl with dumbbells, stick to like three or four exercises. And just mm-hmm. get comfortable being in the space. Not so much yeah. about the outcome of the workout, but the performance that you had, how intense it was, just being comfortable in the space. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good. Right? I'm thinking yeah. even just to go and just like walk on the treadmill for a bit and then come scope out, out and be the like, scene. scope out the scene. What's the vibe? Like, yeah, yeah. that yeah. sounds doable. Where somebody, is everything? Also, Where is everything? Yeah. 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 And also time of day. You know, I'm I'm sure where you are, it's the same where, you know, after work tends to be the busiest time in the gym or before work early in the morning. So mm-hmm. if you have the ability to maybe go at like, you know, lunchtime or, you know, 3 p.m. where it's going to be quite a bit quieter in the gym, it yeah. can re- alleviate some of that stress too, where it's like, mm. you know, somebody's like, hey, how many more sets do you have on that machine? And you're like, ah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That feels oh, gosh, really. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a real sense of kind of relief and, and calm. That seems really. That seems really doable. Ah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, You're welcome. I have one last question before we wrap up, um, and that is, you know, I I know from myself and and Tams and everyone we work with, no matter how much work you do in. The anti-diet space and and on your own um body image and 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 feeling of acceptance around your body we all still have days where it feels tough it feels it just feels harder being in the body that we're in and I'm wondering on those days what do you do to get through in the most compassionate non-violent way that you can Oh, I love that question because it's absolutely true. <laughs> you know, I enjoy my body. I love my body some days. I hate my body some days. I have a neutral feeling about my body some days. I really try to live in that middle space um, of just neutrality and mm-hmm. knowing that, hey, you know, some days are going to be easier and some days are going to be harder. But I also realize that it very, very often has very little to do with my body itself, but my environment that I'm in and the mental space that I'm in. I will always feel less about my body when I have circumstances in my life that feel more stressful or things didn't go the way that I expected or something has shifted. That has nothing to actually do with my body weight, shape, or size. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is really important. 
And I also think that just having conversations with people, being expressive about how I'm feeling has really been the healing part of my journey. Um, I, you know, luckily I'm very fortunate to have a platform where people are very, you know, kind and uplifting and empowering and a community that really understands what it's like to have those, those, you know, low image days. So being open and honest with people like, you know what, I'm just having a really shitty day. Like I, I don't know. I went to the change room. I tried that bathing suit on. I couldn't find anything that fit me and just speaking it out rather than yeah. holding it in and carrying mm. it with me has yeah. been so liberating because I'm able to move through the emotion rather than just pack it away, pack it away, pack it away until it becomes explosive in some way, shape or form in my life, even yeah. if it has nothing to do with my body at the time. Yeah. 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 And it's also I think, showing other people that it's because I think quite often we think it's just us that's battling with this. I, I definitely did. I thought it was, I was the only person who can't get this down. I'm the only person who can't make this happen. Everyone else is like happy with how they're eating and how they're moving. And it's just me. Mm. And I think when you say yeah. that, like when you say I had this and you talk about it and you verbalize it to other people, you know, it creates that like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, this is. And also, and also, and also professionals in this space, yeah. I think it's really important to say, I don't love my body every single day. And that's okay. You know, I, I think a lot of people look to us and be like, oh, if I could just be like you and love my body mm. every day. It's like, no, that's mm. not a thing. We live no. in diet culture. Like, there's always going to be days that's harder than, than, you know, the one before or the one after. Um, but the important thing is, what do we do during those times to see us through? So as you say, Kelsey, mm -hmm. when the external circumstances shift, so that, again, so that we're not using our bodies as, as, the, as the, the shooting target, right? Which they so yeah. often become. So I love what you say about naming it, because the more we kind of keep silent, and as you say, Tamsin, feel like we're the only one, it kind of gets bigger and it becomes quite insufferable. But to name it and just put it out into the world, it is a bit, it lightens it. Yeah, yeah it lightens the load, you know? And I think a lot of us are, are carrying a lot on our shoulders. Um, and I think sometimes our body image has sometimes maybe not so much to do with what our body actually looks like, but how we feel towards it based on experiences that we've had, things other people have said about it. And I think there's so much freedom in that and realizing like, it's no fault of mine. It's yeah. no fault of yours. The, feel, the way you feel about your body is not your fault. That is not yours to carry. And it's a, it's a reflection of our society and that's what needs to shift. And so that's why I'm very specific about not being, you know, targeting individuals about their approach to wellness or fitness, because I really don't believe one person's opinion on something is the most important. It's our society. It's our institutions. It's like, like you mentioned in the beginning, it's kind of like this indoctrination into diet culture mm -hmm. that is really deeply rooted in so many aspects of our life. So yeah. I would be more surprised if you didn't not hate your body, you know, yeah. like that yeah. would be yeah. like, yeah. Did you wow. Where did you grow up? <laughs> yeah. And there is almost like the sense of like, I don't want to call it sisterhood, but like this, like womanhood, sisterhood, like we all get it. It doesn't matter your body weight, shape, size, you know, we're all in the same playing field. Yeah. We all feel the same way. And yeah. that's something that was really liberating too. Whether you're a size two, you're a size 24, we yeah. are still battling the same internal battle. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it has you say nothing it's to actually image. do with size. 
Yeah, body image, yeah. absolutely. Oh, Kelsey, it's been such a dream speaking to you, and 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 I feel like really positive and hopeful, yeah. and hopefully our listeners do too. Um, could you let everyone know, please, where to find you? Where do you exist online? If anybody wants to work with you, how do they do that? Please tell us it all. Yes. So my most common platform people find me is Instagram. You can find me at healthy underscore with underscore Kelsey. Same on TikTok. Um, and as well as my on-demand studio, which is just healthywithkelsey.tv. That's where I have a library of over 200 plus body positive workouts that range anywhere from, you know, 10 minutes all the way up to 45 minutes. There's always the sense of non-judgment, no diet talk, and just really focusing on what we feel in our bodies as we move through the workouts. So that's amazing. I haven't talked about this yet, but I am in the process of launching an app. We should be launching over the next few months. Wow, so that's I'm exciting. really excited about that. That's really yeah. exciting. So, yeah, so it's going to really be an opportunity to, again, just really create a sense of community uh, for people who are looking for more community within the body positive fitness space. So yeah. I'm oh, really excited so about that. Exciting. Thank you oh, for sharing wow. that with our listeners. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> I haven't said it online at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. I was so honored for us but, to know. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I hope yeah. everyone goes and, and checks out your work and registers, Definitely. signs up for your platform and um, yeah, starts to experience movement in, in a really much more joyous, uh, body affirming way. So thank you so much for your time. We've loved yeah, thank speaking you. to you. Thank you. You know, there's one last thing I want to leave people with. Yeah. And that's really to look at exercise as a form of nourishment and not a form of punishment. Mm -hmm. We show up every day in our bodies to take care of our home. And the beautiful thing about our body is really that it's never stopped working for us. Our hearts never stopped beating. Our lungs have never stopped lunging, breathing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every single day our body works to keep us safe, to keep us healthy. And it is within our control to give it the tools that it needs. So looking at exercise as this way of nourishment and self-care will yeah. be essential to having a healthy relationship with exercise for the rest of your life. Oh, I mm. love that, Kelsey. Thank you so yeah, much. That's so good. Oh, thank you. Thank we you love both. you, Kelsey. And um, we will, um, yeah, we'll hopefully have you back on again one day. Yeah, definitely. When the I would love that. Would that would be that. amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Right. Thank you. Take care. Have a beautiful day. <laughs>